So in doing research and preparing for this episode, I went to bed and last night I had the strangest dream. I sailed away to China in a little rowboat to find you, Bill. Usually I'm used to you putting in the lyrics at the very end of the episode. <laughs> so you really turn this on its head. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I'm in a different environment. Yeah, so Ashley, my wife, well, welcome to Bill and Frank's Guild Free Pleasures. My wife, Ashley, is at a gig tonight. She's singing. And so we had to take this on the road. So instead of doing the episode at the Winchester, we're kind of doing it at the Billchester. We're right in the uh, the middle of, uh, of Bill and Ashley's tables, laptops, mics, all set up. We're uh, feeling pretty comfortable here. Yeah. Well, there's certainly uh, a lot of blocks yeah. all over the place. And I've shifted some furniture, which revealed I haven't swept in maybe two years in some of these places, which explains why my allergies are acting up. But that's, uh, you know... Um, That's a story for another podcast. Yeah. Okay. So, the opening line to this, funny you, you mention it, this was the most memorable opening line to any song I knew when I was a kid. So, okay. this came out in 1983? 83, yep. This, like, well, well, it was played on the radio all the time. Yeah. Like So, even by 83, I mean, we're only six, but I remember hearing it all the time. I have, and we should probably also mention if for those that don't read the titles of our episodes, that uh, the song we're doing is uh, Break My Stride by Matthew Wilder. I have very, very distinct memories of sitting in the back seat of my parents' car when I was young and this song coming on and just loving it and just thinking it's like, this is the greatest music that's ever been created in history. I felt similar. I thought it was incredible and I thought it was called Last Night I Had the Strangest Dream, which turns out to actually be a song that isn't this one. And I was always trying to find it as a Was that because this song's called Break My Stride? Yeah, and I didn't for a second think it was called Break My Stride. All through the 80s, I thought it was called Last Night I Had the Strangest Dream. And I could not find it when I got older and I was like 11 or 12. I tried to look it up in the ways you do, which is you'd be at the library or just trying to figure it out. Yeah, how do we find out songs before the internet? You would have to sit by the radio and wait to hear if they talked about it. But yeah. on the stations that played this, they rarely ever named the song or the artist. And I didn't know who sang it. I wasn't sure if it was a man or a woman either back then. I just couldn't figure it out. So I never heard Matthew Wilder's name. I didn't hear it till maybe five years ago. Yeah. I did not know that was the name of it. And I was terrified that this song would be lost to history because somewhere around 92 or 93, I didn't hear it on the radio. Yeah. And that was it. Well, it, it, it had a couple of resurgences in, in uh, well, in the mid 90s and then also more recently. Yes. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that a bit later. But I'm thinking about this song and it's a, a quintessential 80s pop song. Yeah. Like it. it when when you think pop 80s this song comes up in, in my mind it's it's a, it's a top tenor right 
But he started in the 70s as a part of a, a folk duo. That's right. I mean, he was something like 19 years old when he signed his first record contract because he's coming out of Manhattan. He moved there in mm-hmm. like 1967. His parents moved him from a suburb around New York into Manhattan. He played on the street. He called himself a street performer. Okay. Which is just really a busker, I would think, but he mm-hmm. would do that and then ended up in this duo. They were called Matthew and Peter. So not the most original band name, but, uh, you know, good on them. Yeah. It's no Loggins and Messina. Yeah. <laughs> no hollow Oats. So he ends up going to LA sometime in the 70s mm-hmm. and he works his way up in a sense. So when he gets there, he, he doesn't have anything and he gets a job at a restaurant where they only hire musicians, but he had to try out for it. But they just oh. make you bus tables and then they make them sing and they pay them terribly. Yeah. He talked about a coked up manager who just yelled at them all the time. Oh, man. So while he's at this restaurant listening to this manager yell at him, he turns and this guy walks in who's also working there and he looks at him and says, I've seen this guy before. And the guy kind of nodded like, yeah, I'm sure you've seen me before. Yeah. Turns out it's Peter Tork from the Monkees. Oh, really? He was working? He was working there. So on hard times as well. Like, oh, no. Yeah. So just fascinating things I learned. I, I have to believe that uh, any sort of record exec would have avoided that restaurant like the plague. Like, yeah, you have everyone there trying to perform and impress you. But I, I can only believe it would be a sort of like a sea of mediocrity. <laughs> oh, it's got to be like this and. Places like New York, L.A., Nashville, where there's yeah. just all these shattered dreams walking around. Unfortunately, a uh, post-monkey's Peter Tork. Yeah, but he he made it out. Yeah. So, monkeys yeah. got back together, I think, in the 80s. They toured? Well, I what, think so. I think you just got to wait long enough to become a legacy act. So, yeah. when we kind of falter, we give ourselves a decade and we'll be a legacy podcast. But he ended up signing with Clive Davis. And yeah. So got stuck in what he called musical purgatory. Did you read up much about the purgatory he was in? Um, I, I read about sort of the process of recording the album and recording this song okay, particularly. Right. So, okay. So, coming up to it, he's not getting any money from them because he's not producing enough. So, I guess he's in some sort of deal where he has to produce all these songs. Mm-hmm. And Clive Davis just keeps saying... Nope, not a single, not a single. So basically, he's stuck in this rut, just this spinning around. And yeah. He even started writing Beatles songs just backwards. Oh, so really? Made, like, Days Night Hard, Hand It In, <laughs> right? And they just didn't care anymore. <laughs> and so, it leads to this where suddenly he has this, like, he has no money. And then in one afternoon, a rush of inspiration, he writes out this song in about a half hour, he said. Well, and, and then he recorded it on his own dime, right? Yeah. Like, after hours. Yeah, that's right. And he submitted it, but they're like, no, like uh, the people at Arista Records were like, yeah, hard pass. Yeah. Clive Davis said, interesting song, not a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but because he recorded it uh, with his own money without their uh, involvement, they had zero rights to it. So he was allowed to shop it around. Yeah. So this works out for him. In a way, because he basically said, when they said that Break My Stride wasn't the song, he said, I want to be let go. And he said, as soon as he hung up, he got like a phone call from a lawyer. It's like, so you want to be let go? He's like, no, I want you to release my music. No, you're, we're letting you go. But the song actually works really well for his life 
Break yeah. My Stride is actually his own story. So yeah. it's kind of interesting that this song itself, even though when he wrote it, he's he's thinking yeah. about Clive Davis, his life actually worked out to be like this song. Yeah, because it, it's, it's about leaving a bad relationship, right? Yeah. Okay, so he ends up signing with this record company. Do you have that in front of you, the name of the record company? Uh, Private Eye Records. Right. Now, Private Eye Records is run by Joe Iscro. Yeah, and that's another story too, right? Yeah, so Joe Iscro, Vietnam War vet, who ended up getting in the music industry somehow, Mm -hmm. but shady. They think he was involved with the Gambino crime family. Yeah, yeah. He ended up in prison in the 90s for like loan sharking, Mm -hmm. and he was accused all through the 80s of payola. Yeah, but I I thought that whole thing was kind of over and done in in the 50s and 60s right so did i but it turns out that it still went on they said he was super shady but payola is hard to prove because they'd be giving gifts and money Mm -hmm. to these radio stations to play yeah so so basically the whole payola scandal was yeah the record execs bribing people or bribing stations to play the song just so and manufacturing the hit so you know it's a okay song but if it's getting played over and over and over again because people are paying for it to get paid it becomes a mega hit right so joe iscro told all these radio stations that it was a huge hit overseas or something so he already told them this is already a huge hit you have to play it so this got radio play initially because they were told this is a huge hit massive hit this becomes an actual hit so even though it has this sort of nefarious beginnings it becomes a hit yeah and In the end, Joe Iscro invites Matthew Wilder and his manager to dinner. And Matthew Wilder's like, oh, great, because we have a hit on his new record company. This will be great. And his manager said to him, okay, we got to get our story straight. He goes, why? We're just going for dinner. He goes, no. When he asked about publishing, tell him there's no money left. There's no publishing money left. He's like, what is he talking about? So when they sit down, Joe Iscro's sitting there and he says, who are those three guys in the corner? goes, those are federal agents just trying to take me down or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. And then Joe Iscro goes, listen, I need a taste of the publishing. <laughs> and he's, and then Matthew Wilder's like, there's no money in the publishing. And then Joe Iscro goes, fine. Next album, you're putting four of my songs on there so I can get this. And then Matthew Wilder put a finger in his face and said, no one tells me what to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and basically, I don't know, he somehow survived it. Yeah. And his manager said, wow, you're really great in there. And Matthew Wilder said, that's the end of my career. I'm never getting another, you know, record deal. Yeah. And so he did one more album, which well, surprisingly went nowhere because it got no promotion. <laughs> Kill Surprise. Yeah. Well, he did another one in the recently in the 2000s. Yeah. Right? So he's made his... His legacy come back. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So... um we're going to get to this later, but even though this does really well, they refuse to make a music video for this. He asked them, where's the music video? Because this is playing well in other markets. And they said, no, we're not making a music video. We're not spending the money. So instead, they just sent him all over the world to sing instead of just making a music video where you could just send that all over the world. And yeah. it's MTV. It's 1983. Yeah. So bizarrely, no music video. Yeah. And... Which makes no sense to me because listening to this song, this song sounds like it it needs a video. Oh, desperately! If if people can understand what I'm what I'm trying to say here, 
So I guess we usually do this later, but if you were to imagine a music video that would fit this, what would be the music video? Oh, I always go really literal. It would be someone running. Okay. Running and singing, but he'd be happy. Yes, that's pretty good. I like that. Well, you didn't go with a rowboat. No, <laughs> so there's there's something. Well, they could just pantomime the whole all the lyrics, right? There would be a laundry scene in there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I like the running. No breaking my stride. Yeah, you could have a Prefontaine sort of feel. Yeah. Did he was he alive by eighty three or did he already pass away? Uh he died in the seventies. Yeah. So this would be uh, actually this would actually be post Fontaine. <laughs> For me, I feel like it needs to have this sort of nighttime dreamy feel. Like there needs to be a moon out there and there needs to be him singing and there needs to be an escape going. Yeah. On. No, that that kind of makes sense with yeah. the whole dreamscape and everything. Yeah. Would you have sexy Draculas in it or no? I wouldn't want it to just be placed within the month of October. However, him running away from them would yeah. be apropos for 83. Yeah. I think that's thriller time. Yeah. Could save yeah. money if you just went on to the whole thriller video and just ran away from <laughs> all the, he just green the zombies. The, the yeah. Thriller movie and it's just him running away. That'd be fantastic. Well, I think we could still make this yeah, for Matthew Wilder. So. What we do have are videos from Top of the Pops, mm-hmm. which is incredible. He has yeah. quite the getup on. Yes. And he's dancing all the way up to the screen. Yeah. He's dancing towards, like, it, it's. It's almost uncomfortably aggressive. And his outfit is more 80s than 80s ought to ever be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His mustache is more 80s than the 80s ought to be. Incredible. Incredible. And then there's another one with these dancers. I don't know where it's from. I'd like to say solid gold, but I'm almost certain it's not solid gold. Mm -hmm. But the dance routine is incredible. Hopefully featured in one of our TikTok videos that we've never made before. (laughs) Yeah. If uh, if someone can explain TikTok to us, then uh, then we might actually put something out. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to this week's showcase of your favorite music. And one of the hottest sounds in pop leads us off tonight. Break My Stride, our number 10 hit by Matthew Wilder. For the next 60 minutes, this is the place to be. And for more of what you want to hear, let's get back to Matthew Wilder. Okay, so now that we've covered things we usually cover later... <laughs> I think it's time we dive into this song. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It has a new wave reggae feel. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. It's really bouncy. Yeah. It, it kind of like, it has that really, really happy sort of, yeah, feel to it. Yeah. And he said that new wave music was what inspired him. And he said when new wave came out, he said it changed all the rules and he felt that he could do something like this. So, I mean, for us, we just were raised in the milieu of this so it didn't it just felt natural to me but i guess there was such a sea change from i don't know captain and Tennille in the 70s yeah <laughs> can i say muskrat love might be the worst song ever uh, we're gonna have to disagree on that one wow oh wow we're not doing it i'm not saying it's a great song i'm saying there's worse songs than it okay <laughs> there there are worse songs that we have covered okay. than that song. All right. We, we don't want to fight in front of the kids no. <laughs> here. Either way, here we are with this song. And so, it opens with that Oberheim synth, 
for starting to get, I'm starting to get used to these synths. Yeah. The Oberheim comes up a lot. Yeah, yeah. And there's at least two or three of these going on at once. Mm-hmm. And it's a big synth-heavy song with some guitar and drums. Yep. I think they're real drums. And then you have the opening line we talked about. Let's just work through this just a bit. Last night I had the strangest dream. I sailed away to China in a little rowboat to find ya. And you said you had to get your laundry cleaned. Didn't want no one to hold you. What does that mean? And you said. And you said. Well, I feel like, um, at least my reading of it, is you have this strange dream. The sail away to China, I feel, is just there so he could say, find ya. I think find ya came before China. Yeah. So, two things about this this first uh, verse. I think that when you start a song or a verse or whatever with, last night I had the strangest dream, it just opens up the opportunity to write down whatever nonsense you want to add yeah, next. Yeah, that's right. It's like, isn't this strange? And then you're just like, Whatever you you your your brain thinks of, you just sort of smash down on the paper and just like, well, this is the dream. It is great lyrics for terms of I didn't know I don't know of any songs that really do this. I mean, there's songs with crazy lyrics, but yeah. it just seems so unique to me. Yeah, even though I'm sure other writers might smack their head over this. Now the well, other co-writer. Sorry, the the other thing I was going to bring yeah. up oh, yeah. is uh, Matthew. Are you sailing or are you rowing? Oh, good call. Good call. Like, I guess you could put a sail up in a rowboat or like have one of those Viking ships or, or something like that. But um, in my mind, it's a little rowboat. So... With a sail on it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you're going through the Pacific. If you're going to China, yeah. that's the only way you're getting there. And there's no way. Well, you can go through the Atlantic around the Indian Ocean and then to... He took the long way. He took the long way. <laughs> took the long way to China. Yeah. The, now, just to be fair, Greg Prestopino is the other co-writer of yep. this, and I have a feeling he probably did some work on the words, because yeah. usually it seems like Matthew Wilders seems to be a music man, okay. and then he'll have people help him with the lyrics, yeah. although I'm pretty sure Break My Stride sounds like it's his idea, the, the lyric Break My Stride. Yeah. And he's, so when he says, and you said you had to get your laundry cleaned, I have written down t- on the lyrics... I said, this is the sort of wash your hair excuse where he went to find somebody and she said, I have to go get my laundry cleaned. Didn't oh, want no one to hold me. That's okay. what I was taking it as. Yeah. Because I don't know how else you would take it. How would you take this laundry thing? Well, I've been given a number of excuses over my life. I've never, I've never really, no, you know what? I have gotten laundry. Oh, really? It's just like, oh, I have to do laundry or I'm busy doing laundry. I'm just like, oh, okay. She must be doing laundry. Yeah. No, she's not doing laundry. Years later, when you do laundry regularly, you realize that this... Like, how often do you need to clean clothes? (laughs) As often as it takes for you to ask them out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not... So the opening is a dream sequence. Yeah. And in the dream, you said, I guess is is a her, I'm guessing. She says, ain't nothing going to break my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. Ain't nothing going to break my stride. I'm running and I won't touch ground. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. So this is 
the person he's trying to go see who's yeah. getting laundry cleaned, but also getting moving. Yeah. I guess to do laundry. Just so, moving on, right? Yeah. So in the video that would be probably a bad version of your video is to be running with the whole headband and armbands, yeah. also carrying laundry basket. Yeah. But also above the ground. I've had dreams where I'm running and one version is always super frustrating because it's like I'm running in slow motion or like through water and I I wake up and I'm, I, and I'm upset because I'm just like, it's like, I know how to run better than that. Uh, But the other version is like, there is dreams where I'm running and I'm actually like not touching the ground where I'm kind of floating above the ground and running. And those are awesome versions of of this so i think that's what this uh this woman's doing okay so she's a marathon runner yeah she's running and she won't touch the ground next verse next verse so you're on the road and now you pray at last. The road behind was rocky, but now you're feeling cocky. You looked at me and you see your past. That's my favorite part, by the way. My favorite line right yeah. there. Is that the reason why you're running so fast? That's a really kind of cool way of distilling an emotion mm-hmm. where someone's trying to get away from something and whatever type of life she had. And when she sees the person who's trying to get with her, that person represents something she doesn't want. And so she's getting as far away from him as possible. It ends with, and she said, which is in third person. Just uh, take note. The end of the first verse was, and you said, second mm-hmm. person. End of the second verse, and she said, third person. So now it's definitely talking about a woman, and it's a she. Yeah. And she's running away from him. I'm sure we're going to get into this, but in the third verse, if we're following that pattern, first verse, mm-hmm. second person. Yeah. Second verse, third person. Third verse, fourth person. <laughs> no, it does follow a pattern, kind of. First, second person second third person mm-hmm. and the third i think is actually a bridge instead of a uh, a verse and it's first person okay but as any any sort of musical theorist would tell us that first person bridges are actually fourth person verses it could be that you've <laughs> just invented a new uh term i'll put it in my glossary of literary terms I have upstairs <laughs> so when you get to that third part which is Never let another girl like you work me over. Yep. Never let another girl like you drag me under. If I meet another girl like you, I will tell her, never want another girl like you. Have to say, oh. And breaks back into the chorus. Yeah, so now he's the one who's not going to get messed around with anymore. So I don't know if he's thinking about how he was in this relationship that was uh, unhealthy. Yeah, so... I'm wondering if if this is coming full circle. Like, it's a relationship that's ending, and and she's running away from him. But now, in the bridge, he realizes just like, nah, you you were bad for me too. So you're not the only one that's running away from this. Never let another girl like you. 
And you know who he's thinking about through the writing of this? Who this person is? The girl. Clive Davis. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, that, never going to let anyone do this to me. That's Clive Davis. Yeah. So he, he made a, he's made a point of saying that in interviews too. And then we get Ain't Nothing Gonna Break My Stride three times. Three, three times that chorus comes up. Yeah. And as we get towards the end, there's more voices there. Mm-hmm. Because as the story goes, when he... Did the song that night, he called a bunch of his friends and said, we're going to have a party. And then he got them all to sing along with it. Yeah. Now, when you listen to it, it sounds like there might be three other people. Yeah. I don't think Matthew Wilder had a lot of friends. Mm. So, his parties, not too dissimilar maybe to our party. Yeah, I I was going to say. (laughs) As I know, Matthew, you are welcome to join us for our parties. So, my parties were like getting wrestling pay-per-views and inviting people over. Those are awesome parties. Well, yeah. Well, you and I had a great time. Wait a sec. That was only you and I. And so, um, well, yeah, that we just covered the lyrics of the song. What's your favorite part of the song? Favorite part of the song um, would be at the uh, at the end of the the bridge when he's uh, singing in the fourth person. And he says, "Never want another girl like you." Have to say, "Oh, that part!" Yeah. Before they break back into the uh, break back into the uh, the the chorus. All that's right. that's easily my favorite part. Yeah, I I thought the O might might yeah. do it for you. <laughs> and um I already said mine was you looked at me and you see your past. Is that the reason why you're running so fast? And when he says running, he rolls his R oh, okay. in such a way that I can't imitate it, even though I have Scottish background when I visited my relatives, like, how can you not do this? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You look at me and you see your past. Is that the reason why you're running so fast? And she said, Hey, this hits worldwide like top five yeah right so this does well everywhere because of uh what's his name the payola yeah <laughs> i don't think the payola quite i mean he payola well it was States. big in europe right yeah it was huge and yeah he did well he did well in europe and i think um well i mean he traveled all over the place for it but in the mm-hmm. end he gets is stonewall the word is that a word stonewall yes it's a yeah. word. I don't know yeah. if it works in context here. You're yeah. going to have to explain it. Mansplain yourself to me, Bill. Yeah. Well, stonewalled means you run into a wall that's made of stone, which means you can't get through it. It, well, it breaks your stride. Yeah. So he got stonewalled by Joe Isgrow. Clive Davis didn't want anything to do with him. And so after this, he does another album. This album is okay, actually. Yeah. This is on. And the other album, eh, it's okay. Well, he had another top 40 hit on, off this album. Yeah. Was, um... Is that the American one? Yeah, so he he had another top forty song off the album. Um, what was it? Uh, the the kids American, which right. made it to thirty three. So. Yeah, and then that's kind of it for yeah for all t- intents and purposes. Kind of ends. He ends up back in music publishing. Yeah, just working away, and then um, in the nineties, 
he ends up kind of making a resurgence. So he has a couple things happen. Yeah. One of them is, I'm trying to get the order right, but he ended up trying to make a musical for this Anne Rice novel about boys who got castrated and then became famous opera singers back in, I don't know, the Middle Ages, I guess. And so he wrote this score for it. He had a whole musical and it okay. went really badly. Like just, but <laughs> well, it ended Yeah, because I've never heard about yeah, it. Yeah, so. but it led to other opportunities where mm-hmm. he ends up working with Disney. Yeah, because he ended up uh, being the singing voice of the character Ling uh, from the, the movie uh, Mulan. Not only that, he wrote all the music. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they had him come in and Michael Eisner himself, the man himself kind of oversaw what he was doing and he wrote the song called Reflections, which Christina Aguilera ended up singing. Yep. Yep. And when he was writing it, Michael Eisner said, listen, I like the song, but it doesn't break the glass ceiling. Although when I think break the glass ceiling, that's usually like Hillary Clinton becomes president or something like that. But I don't know what Michael Eisner meant, but he says, got to break the glass ceiling. And so um, Matthew Wilder ends up rewriting the chorus and changes it. And then he gets a call from Michael Eisner a couple of days later, and it, Michael Eisner said, "You broke the glass ceiling." <laughs> That's fantastic. But even better than breaking the glass ceiling, he had a bigger connection than I realized with a massive, massive hit record where he produced first time producing a band. Yeah, he produces No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom. Yeah, so, yeah, which which is massive. That that really put because No Doubt had another album out prior to that but but two albums yeah yeah okay but but this was like this put no doubt on on the map and basically paved the way for gwen stefani for what she is now today right yeah so what ended up happening was they had had all these producers who all kept getting fired Mm -hmm. he was the next one and i guess the next one he might have been the fourth or fifth oh came in there and the band was already kind of at odds with each other yeah and you had gwen stefani's brother eric Mm-hmm. This is a lot of info coming your way. Get okay. ready. He was the primary songwriter. Okay. But Gwen Stefani was the singer, and she'd been dating the bassist, and I guess they had that's a bad right. breakup. Yeah. That's where Don't Speak came from. Exactly. And then this is how it comes out. Matthew Wilder says, okay, listen, why don't we get Gwen to write some more? And he goes, why don't you guys aim to be more like Blondie? Because they're the ska band, pure ska band. He goes, why don't you think about Blondie and what Blondie did? You could do that sort of thing, but you need Gwen to start doing some more writing. Yeah. And so out of that comes Don't Speak. Okay. And out of that also comes I'm Just a Girl, Spiderweb, like all the hits. All the big hits. Out of that, oh. Eric gets so upset through this process, he quits and joins a Saturday Night Live band. Oh, really? Quits the band. So the band is like at the edge of things. And once they've got the album put together, Matthew Wilder has helped sort of shape it. Wouldn't you know it? The record company says, no, we don't see a hit here. Oh, no. So they, they <laughs> so Matthew's have this, like, I've been here before. Exactly. So they have this album. It's not doing anything. And then some smaller label is interested in it. And they're like, we want this. So they give it to the smaller label. I'm Just a Girl comes out. And I remember when it came out. Yeah. It was unlike kind of anything that was out at the moment. I wasn't sure if I liked it, but by then we're like grade 13, I think. And so I was yeah. kind of, 
I don't know, up in my own head somewhere. But it was huge. Mm -hmm. And it just set in motion this thing. And so the two record companies got into a fight with each other over it. So this story leads, it's coming back to this song. So here's how it goes. They're in a fight over it and all this. But while this is going on, they get nominated for a whole bunch of Grammy Awards. Yeah. Matthew Wilder gets nominated for producer of the year at the Grammys. Oh, okay. He also gets nominated for an Oscar for Mulan. Oh, yeah, wow. I think just a bit later, maybe a year later or whatever. So he's at the Grammys and there's a Grammy dinner that Clive Davis hosts every year. And Matthew <laughs> Wilder is there. Yeah. And he's sitting there and Gwen Stefani shows up with no voice because they've been making her sing all day and she's all upset about what's going on. So he's trying to comfort her. She's sitting in between him and other people and Clive Davis is walking around doing his thing, shaking hands with everybody. And then Matthew Wilder's head is, what do I say to him? Do I kind of tell him off and say, ha ha, I made it. What do I do? What do I do? When Clive Davis comes up to him, he just looks at him. And Matthew Wilder says, it kind of feels like coming home. And then immediately they hug each other. They're friendly. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. A nice ending where even though this song is an attack on Clive Davis in a sense. Yeah. And Clive Davis put him in musical purgatory and all this. He chooses love instead of vengeance. Matthew Wilder, stand up guy. And moral of the story, I suppose, I really think it is that if you are kind to even those who have been cruel to you, or who've been indifferently cruel, which is the Clive Davis thing. He just didn't care. Mm -hmm. In the end, Clive Davis sees his talent, sees what his worth is, and says, hey, you have this song that I like, and I have this new artist who won American Idol the first year, Kelly Clarkson. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, do you remember the song? Since You've Been Gone. It wasn't Since You've Been Gone, but it was on that album. I thought it was on the first album, but okay. it was on the second album, which is the big album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the song Beautiful Disaster. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, And that's yep. a Matthew Wilder song they co-wrote with Rebecca something. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But he produced it as well. And oh, okay. so that went very well for him. So Matthew Wilder made some good choices. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. And so nothing slowed him down, yeah. didn't break his stride. Earlier on, you you said uh, you were afraid that the song was going to get lost to history around 92, 93 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It became re-evident back in my life, back in, was it 97 when Puff Daddy and the Family had his album out and he sampled the song in Can't Nobody Hold Me Down. With Mace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, always with me. So yeah. I remember because I was in university pulling an all-nighter on a project. I'm in the, the common room and the video came up on Much Music and I'm watching it. I'm just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen or heard in my entire life. And I, I think the next day I went out and bought the album, which was a double album. Oh, yeah. And it was on CD. And I'm a university student. That's costing like 30 bucks at the time. Well, back then. Yeah. You paid $26 for a single CD if you had a bad day. Yeah. So, and and it just kind of re-sparked my love of this song. Because like I said, I, I was that kid back in the, the backseat of my parents' car and just loving this song. Oh, yeah. Can't nobody take my pride. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Can't nobody hold me to keep on moving. Quit that. 
And it came out in some other covers later. I mean, there's actually a band called Unique 2. I think they're out of Australia who had a hit mm-hmm. with it. They just redid it. And another one called Blue Lagoon. Yeah. Both of them, female singers, I think, did it, which worked really well for it. Yeah. But there was another one called Jerusalem, Out of Darkness Comes Light yeah. by Mattis Yahoo. I got that right. That's probably not it, <laughs> but I'm just reading it here. Well, you're reading in the fourth person. So. I'm reading in the fourth person. So, um, but that one, Midway in the Bridge, they there's two versions actually of the song, but in, but in the faster version, the Out of Darkness Comes Light, mm-hmm. the bridge has Ain't No One Gonna Break My Stride. Yeah. Comes in there. He's done well. He even laughed about how Puff Daddy's people brought the song to him Mm -hmm. when that song came out. And they said, okay, listen, Puff Daddy wrote this song and he used your lyric. Is it okay if we use it? Now, there's, of course, a history of this where Tribe Called Quest did that with Lou Reed. And Lou Reed made them them give him all the money. Lou Reed, I don't want to misspeak of the dead. But that's a horrible thing. Well, the same thing happened with uh, the Verve and um, the Rolling Stones right. for, for with a Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah, and the worst part about that one, it was the Rolling Stones. Some sort of manager had the rights to it. Had nothing to do with Mick Jagger or Keith Richards. They said they would give over the rights. Yeah. To the Verve, but it was this manager who took all the money. Uh, managers so, are the worst. Music publishing is kind of a dirty thing. Yeah. And uh, well, you end up you end up going to jail for loan sharking. Like oh my Joe goodness. Escrow. So Michael Jackson, of course, bought a whole bunch of music publishing, which he made most of his money on the Beatles catalog in those yeah. later years. But Paul McCartney is the one who gave him the advice to buy music publishing, which is them still taking other people's music and buying the rights to it. Yeah. Okay, this is tangential, <laughs> but you know that George Harrison got sued over My Sweet Lord for He's So Fine. Yeah. And lost in court, even though, come on. There's so many songs that sound more similar. Mm-hmm. So, you know what he does afterwards? He loses. He ends up buying the publishing rights to He's So Fine. <laughs> Categories? I think we've covered well, we yeah. covered the whole Matthew Wilder. I can still tell you more. Do you want to know what Matthew Wilder did yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> Are you following a, him on Twitter? I I am actually oh, okay. now. And he's had quite a good life. I mean, he's had a great um second part of his career, so to speak. Well, I mean, there's one more major thing that caused him to have eleven million views on YouTube, which is which well, it's the TikTok trend in yeah. uh, in twenty twenty. So people would start um and I don't understand TikTok, so someone has to explain it to me. But uh, I guess the the idea is you would start texting someone the lyrics of the song. So last night I had the strangest dream, and you feed the person uh, line by line the lyrics, and you wait until they catch on to what's going on. But I guess what the TikTok trend is, is you have that screenshot of the lyrics and the responses... And the song playing in the background, and you just sort of like 
dancing sort of like pointing at that the uh at the lyrics on the screen i just say i don't understand things i don't understand how this is a thing i also don't understand how you actually do that yeah well we are going to because that's the way we're going to be reaching i don't new i can't human understand the computers by we i mean you you're the <laughs> <Fantastic>. tiktok guy <laughs> i'm officially the 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 podcast tiktok guy okay mixtape yeah do you want to go first? You go first. Okay. I think I have a pretty good one. Okay, great. I'll bring up my mixtape here. My mixtape is related to what I said earlier. Songs I fear will be lost to history. Oh, good call. Okay. Breakout by Swing Out Sister. Okay. Do you remember that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I didn't even remember it. Because it was lost to my own history. And I, in my head, I'm like, what are those songs? I knew a couple songs, but I couldn't remember the name of one. It was lost to my history. And I got to say, thank you, Spotify. It gave me a suggestion at the end of my list. Oh, nice. And I knew that was the one. And then Mary's Prayer by Danny Wilson. I brought it up before. Mm-hmm. But I heard this song all the time on soft rock radio. Yeah. And then it disappeared sometime in the 90s. And after that, I have Shattered Dreams by Johnny Hates Jazz, oh, okay, yeah. which I love, which yeah. I don't hear on the radio. And then I have Hands to Heaven by Breathe, which I feel was oh, everywhere. Yeah. And then it was nowhere. Yeah. When was the last time I heard that song? You probably last heard it when Brian Boitano and <laughs> Katarina Vitt had their special. So there was a Katarina Vitt skating special, and it was Brian Boitano and her skating together to Hands to Heaven. And there was this implication that they had a love story between them. Yeah. You've watched a lot of figure skating. I have. Haven't you? I have. We'll be talking Torval and Dean in the future, too. So I'm going to save that for you. Yeah. Until next time, Brian. So was that your mixtape? That's my mixtape. Okay. All right. Um, I went with the theme of movement and motion. Oh, this sounds like figure skating. Yeah, exactly. So this is our figure skating heavy podcast here. Um, Wake me up before you go-go. Because, you know, going. Um, Walk like an Egyptian by the Bangles. And these are all 80s songs too, which which fits with the, the, the time when Break Your Stride comes out. I ran so far away by a flock of seagulls. Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. And then we close it with Man in Motion, St. Elmo's Fire by John Parr. Oh, that is good. Yeah. That is a very good mixtape. Now, of course, as usual, our mixtapes, when we originally envisioned this, it's like, what songs fit together? How do they go? But we, of course, have two different feels. So when, you know, the people who click on the link in our show notes Mm -hmm. they're gonna find a definite shift do we have actual stats on spotify how many listens our our playlists have gotten i don't want to talk about this right now (laughs) i want to talk about it on mic where would you be most likely to hear this song now oh i gave you some choices you got supermarket you got doctor's office you have i would definitely if if i heard this in the supermarket which i i think is probably the the place I, I'd more than likely hear it next. 
I think people would enjoy watching my reaction because I think I'd I'd be walking with the cart and you know, kind of sing dancing along and everything. Cause it's, it's it's a fun song. It's infectious. Yeah. I think you'd be dancing like those people in the green tights in that video. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could hear this at a bowling alley on yeah? like a Friday okay. night. Yeah. Glow in the dark. At the at the roller rink. Yeah. The roller the rink. Would, oh, this would be perfect at a roller rink. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's a question for you. I made up a category. I had one idea, but now I shifted it. What would the worst, best, over-the-top cover be of this song? Oh. So I want you to think about singers who would do the worst job on this. But, like, so bad it's good. So bad it's good. So I got something for you. It, you'll see why it links to it. Okay. I was thinking about Michael Bolton, because yeah. we often think about him. Yeah. But I thought, if Michael Bolton and Celine Dion did this as a duet, it would be so horrifically good. Yeah. Just because I can imagine them going overboard. I imagine Celine Dion would do the thing with rolling the R's. I think Michael Bolton would yell laundry clean in such a way that it would just shake the song to its core. Or at the end of the bridge, oh! And it would last for about 42 minutes. Exactly. So it would become a Jim Steinman production. <laughs> yeah. So Jim Steinman producing Michael Bolton, Celine Dion, yeah. mid-90s. This song. Oh, yeah. Worst idea ever. Oh, worst best idea ever. Exactly. Good thing Puff Daddy came along. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it, it lends itself to a Hallmark movie. Oh, that's a good question. I could see this being a song about somebody who is escaping a kind of predictable and destructive life to a degree. Like somebody okay. who's... It's an empowering... Empowering, yeah. yeah. So, Break My Stride could be the name of the movie. Yeah. Hallmark movie. They got to leave the big city. They're a runner. And they're going to the country. Yes. Because, well, that's where all Hallmark movies happen. Yeah. And then they're going to meet somebody. Yep. Probably like a sexy farmer. Yeah. Yeah. She leaves the big city, comes back home, doesn't break her stride, right into the arms of a sexy farmer. Perfect. Done. Hallmark, call or, us up. Or he leaves the big city. Right. And doesn't break his stride right into the arms of a sexy farmer. Okay. All right. Well, Hallmark, we have openings for writing scripts. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck in the Matthew Wilder thing, though. I don't want to be in script purgatory. <laughs> we want yeah. results. Yes. We want to thank our listeners again, each and every episode, the ones that uh, that listen, that make it all the way through to the end. This is exciting for us. We, we do appreciate it. And we've been working and we've been recording and releasing episodes. And we just want you to know, ain't nothing going to break our stride. Nobody's going to slow us down. Oh, no. We're just going to keep on moving. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's. Guilt-free pleasures.